Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, y'all? Today, I'm going to talk about how to find your Jason Momoa. What does that mean? Well, Jason Momoa, I think he's hot. He's desirable. I mean, definitely my hall pass, my right? But what this episode is going to be about, and in the same vein as getting your revenge body, when you're coming off of a separation, a divorce, or maybe you're just, you know, maybe you're, you've been single for a while and you're ready to find love, you're ready to, to date again, put yourself out there. What should you be looking for in a partner? Now, a lot of the terms I'm going to use on this are going to be uh, geared towards heterosexual women. Uh, it is not to exclude anyone. It's just that's the primary demographic that we work with in the Revenge Body Program. And so the terms will reflect that. But this can apply to anybody when looking for your ideal part, right? I had to do a lot of this work. Know that everything that I tell you likely I've done myself, I've had to address within myself, I struggled with, made mistakes with, and I'm never coming from a guru land or high horse mentality here. I just have probably made a lot more mistakes than you. So that being said, how do we find our perfect mate, right? Well, there is no perfect mate. And I think that's where we start. There's no perfection. Every relationship, every partnership, every marriage, I've never been married, but I think those who have been married or are married can agree that it's work. It's, it takes energy, it takes commitment, and it takes being willing to have uncomfortable conversations over and over again to cultivate closeness and in intimacy. In order to make that happen, we have to release a lot of the expectations of ourselves to be perfect. We also have to allow ourselves to fuck up. We have to allow ourselves to have misstep because the things that we can't be with within ourselves, the things we can't allow within ourselves or things that we can't stand about ourselves, we typically tend to criticize or not allow space for in other people. Usually life is a mirror. And the things that we can't stand about ourselves, we point out in other people. You can see this in every negative comment under every single video on the internet, right? It's just a world of unhealed people with child wounds and trauma, trigger jizzing all over the place, right? If no one who is composed and secure with self feels the need to leave negativity on other people's shit. That being said, the majority of the populace is walking around unhealed. So how do we, how do we, you know, work on ourselves and cultivate integration and cultivate new behaviors that lead to a better outcome for us and attract people that don't reflect maybe what we've experienced in the past or maybe the patterns that we've succumbed to because of what we've experienced in childhood, prior relationships, et cetera. You know, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor. Do your work with professionals. This is just my perspective based on my experience. You don't get to the light without going through the darkness. It took me a lot of dirty, nasty work and facing a lot of repressed pain, sadness, remorse, guilt, shame. Did I say shame already? We'll say it twice because it's the heavy one. A lot of mourning I hadn't done, grieving I hadn't done for relationships past. And once I did that work and once I cultivated more composure with self, more security with self, because I historically have an anxious attachment style, I started attracting higher caliber people. And when I say higher caliber, I mean people who have secure attachment style, people who are mentally stable, people who can have uncomfortable conversations and stay in the arena. All these things that I wanted, but wasn't exactly exhibiting myself, right? I can't advocate enough 
how important your self-work is to attracting your Jason Momoa, your Charlie Hunnam, your Tom Hardy, your Chris Hemsworth, your Henry Cavill, right? I can't advocate enough how important that work is, both for men and women, but I'm speaking to women. And the man that you desire, the one that validates your emotions, the one that listens to you, the one that notices the little things, does things without you having to ask, is able to have vulnerable conversations with you and also be a solid mountain for you to show your unhealed self to. The man that can handle the wounded little girl in you, maybe when you're messy, when you fuck up or you know you have a bad day, the one that can be there and be your rock in those times and hold space for you so that you develop that safety to relax and not feel the need to control or run the relationship or let all these wounds come up that naturally are going to come up, but you feel safe for them to come up because he can go there with you, right? We all want a partner like that. Being able to be yourself and not have to posture or be the blueprint of what you think you should be, just being able to be yourself, warts and all, is one of the greatest gifts you can have in a relationship. I would know. I now have that after relationship after relationship of portraying what I thought the other person was attracted to. Now being able to just relax and be my motherfucking self and all of my warts and dirty shit and weird kinks and comedic, goofy humor, it is so freeing I can't even begin to describe. But to have that, I had to do the real work. I had to cultivate self-awareness of all the shit that I struggled with and still struggle with to this day. I had to be okay with who I am. I think that the definition of masculinity, like healthy, integrated masculinity, is just that. Being completely okay with who you are and not having to pretend, posture, or portray something that isn't really you, but the thing that you think is going to get you the, the carrot, right? So many men do that. We all want a blueprint. We're like, what is the way of the alpha male? I'll just do that in order to gain the woman, the money, the car, the career, right? It's just a way of being at the end of the day. Though. It's just something you cultivate over time by putting in the uncomfortable reps. So traits that I would look for is of someone who values mentorship and therapy, number one. Those two things, I can only speak for myself, they changed my life. They, they helped me uh, become more aware of things I could work on and help me integrate my past experiences and current experiences in a way that helps me grow. And, and, and having a mentor that can really call you out on your bullshit is highly, highly, highly valuable. It's invite. has no value because it's, it's, it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? Someone who can be vulnerable. Now, this is one that's very controversial in the guru male coaching world because we're told as men that if you're vulnerable, it will be taken advantage of, right? Like if we are vulnerable with women, that is going to be used against us later. And I'm telling you this so you have perspective on like a lot of how a lot of male brains work. But a lot of us were brought up, like myself, witnessing divorce after divorce on the street that I lived on. We witnessed countless marriages dissolving. We witnessed conflict in our own parent parenting. And it kind of programmed me to be really, really skeptical and almost paranoid about how I could be taken advantage of were I to reveal my real self and be vulnerable. But the truth is, vulnerability is the, it, it, it precedes intimacy, right? It's, it's, it begets intimacy. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be honest. There is a way to be composed and be vulnerable. I think that's where the disconnect is. We can be vulnerable and still be composed. We can be okay with our emotions and not be needy, weak, 
you know, overly emotional, et cetera. Being able to feel emotions, express emotions does not make one less of a man. I think that's important. I'm telling you this so maybe you can cultivate safety within your relationship if you have one now. If you have, if you're with someone who struggled with expressing emotion or being vulnerable, let them know they're safe. That was big for me is putting in the reps of being vulnerable and then seeing the outcome being, oh, I'm okay here. This actually led positive aspects of relationship, right? And so that's really big. Finding someone who is okay with being vulnerable. They value men. So we, what do we got so far? Value mentorship, okay with being vulnerable, expressing self in a composed way, you know, willing to admit faults, take ownership. That goes for both parties. I think that this is something that the populace could really work on as a whole. And that's just like accountability, ownership. In conflict, especially, there is, there's two perceptions, there's two realities. Seeking to understand versus trying to win the conflict is infinitely valuable long-term. Anyone who's been married for a while will tell you that. Seek to understand. So, you know, when you have your first conflict, if you're dating or early in a relationship, how do they react to that first conflict? Do they try to, you know, stamp you out, bully you, tell you you're wrong? Or do they pause, take a sec? Maybe they, don't, maybe they get defensive, maybe they don't. But the willingness to understand, to seek to understand each other, infinitely important. You have to do that as well. Can't just be on their part. You have to do it. But if they're willing to do it, that's a really good sign, right? Someone who, and this is, I'm, this is more tactical. I'm someone who has a baby mama, right? I'm someone who has a child from a previous relationship. If they have kids, how do they speak about the mother of their child? It's okay to not have a perfect relationship with a mother of your child. It is okay to have conflict with the mother of your child. It is not okay to speak evil about the mother of your child or constantly uh, speak ill of them, especially in front of the child. Because that, what that's, what's, how's that going to set them up long-term and how they treat women, right? So I would be, keep a very close pulse on the relationship between him and the mother of his child if he has children from other relationships, right? It can be a very good thing, especially if you're a parent, if they have a good relationship or at least a civil and functional relationship with the mother of their child. That can that speaks wonders for what's going to happen for your future because <laughs> you're next, right? Also, you know, ask tough questions early. Get aligned in your values. That's a great way to know if something's going to work long-term. I, I would say first or second date, start asking tough questions about parenting, values, morals. If it's religion, it's religion, right? Family career, five years from now, what's the plan? Where are we going? What do you, where do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you value in relationship? What are your sexual kinks? What do you, what's important to you in terms of like your day-to-day love language? What do you, how do you like to be loved? And do you understand showing that love to someone else? Have you done work around XYZ, around your trauma? Can we talk about that? Being willing to have these conversations early on is great. If you have a disagreement there or a misalignment, is it a deal breaker or is it not? Is it something you can work through? Is it not? Find out early. Don't leave these conversations that come up six, eight months down the road when you've invested time and energy and now it's an issue, right? Especially if there's kids involved. When should they meet your kids? This is up for, this is up for interpretation. I first, this is my personal view on it. Again, ask your therapist, disclaimer. But my personal view, why wait? I don't mean introduce the first week, but I think after, you know, a couple months, see how they do. You know, because the last thing you want to do, in my opinion, is wait a year, in some cases, for them to meet your child. And then this it's, doesn't go well. It's terrible. Now you've wasted a year with this person. 
I'm not saying use your children as pawns to evaluate the relationship whatsoever. Follow your intuition as a parent, follow your gut. If this you've had linked at length conversations about parenting, how impactful it can be that that relationship and you feel good on their judge of character based on these conversations, why not? See how it goes. It can be a very simple meeting at the park, you know, what trampoline park, what have you. Does it have to be in the intimacy of your home? But definitely I would get a feel for it sooner rather than later so that you, you, this, because that's a very important thing. It's a deal breaker, right? Can be. What is your self-work regimen look like? And how are you cultivating growth within yourself? I had a therapist one time sit me down and well, we were already sitting down and he goes, Maverick, what are your top traits that you want in a partner? And I was single at the time and I listed out, I would say 25 to 30 things, physical fitness. They got to be able to take accountability. They got to do this X, Y, Z. It was like at least 30 things. Right. And he goes, great. Do you have all those? And I didn't, I didn't have all those traits. And I tell that story to say that you have to become the person you want to attract. It's just, that's just how it is. Be the person you want to attract. And when you are that, when you have cultivated those traits within self and it will take time it's worth taking the time but and you do not have to be totally healed to go into relationship in fact and i'll actually i'll get to that in a second but once you have cultivated the traits that you desire in another person that they will find you will attract them you don't have to be completely healed to go into an intimate relationship in fact i believe there is some healing that we can only do in partnership because that's when the rubber meets the road when we get in relationship and we start to get skin in the game and things get intimate, that's when everything comes up, right? When we have that risk of loss, when we have that risk that someone can hurt us, right? Because the more you love, the more you can potentially get hurt, right? And so my biggest issue was I would want intimacy so bad, but at the same time, I would keep people at arm's length who I knew could hurt me. It's like, oh shit, but if I'm vulnerable, this person could use this against me and hurt me. And it kept everyone from arm's length and not knowing the real me. It is a risk. It is a leap of faith. It takes discernment. It takes self-work. But I can tell you that the reward of having a relationship where you can be your true self and be vulnerable and know that person's going to stay in the arena with you because they're doing the same thing, it is a gift that is infinitely valuable. I believe that there is some healing we can only do in a relationship because that's when all of our unhealed shit comes up. That's when it gets tested. It's easy to, it's easier, I should say, to have a very stress-free and easy and you know, portray like a super healed self when we're single, when no one's tested it every day with their bullshit, right? But when we get in a relationship, that's when all of it comes up. So I believe that oh, some healing can only be done in a relationship. My truly, my best self has only come out since being with my partner, with my one, with my person that gets it, who's willing to put in these reps with me and no matter what, you know, accept all of me and invite more of me into the room. It's a wonderful feeling. I want that for all of you. And I haven't got it figured out. We're our, our relationship is not perfect, but we do have that. And that is, we invite more of each other into the room, words and all. And I want that for you all. So don't, be, don't think that you have to be totally healed to get in relationship, right? This last one's going to hurt a little bit. <laughs> this last one's going to stink. Oh, and just to add to that last part, you know, the right person will invite growth. The right person will, you'll grow by osmosis. You'll be a rising tide for each other. And you'll know that. And you should not accept any less than that. It is your birthright to have someone who values you, who grows with you, 
who is attentive to your needs, listens to your needs, and loves you beyond measure. It is your birthright. It was your, you were worthy then and you're worthy now. Just know that, right? This last one's going to hurt. It's going to sting a little bit. But one thing I've noticed with women in particular, okay? This is not a knock toward women. I love women. I work with women solely. So obviously I love you and that's where this comes from. I hear a lot of women list out non-negotiables they require in men, such as he has to make six figures. He's got to be six feet tall. His dick's got to be this big. He's got to drive this car. He's got to do this, 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 this. And you're bringing next to nothing yourself to the table. Reality check, right? Reality check. If you are listing all of these things you require in a man in terms of his wealth, his physical stature and physical fitness, his looks, et cetera, you better be very honest about what you are bringing to the table. Now, a lot of those things are superficial and they fade with time, right? So it's important to be cognizant of what is really valuable to us and what we're just saying is valuable to us because someone else regurgitated it. But that being said, it goes back to that story I told where it's like, if you want these things in a partner, you better be damn sure you're cultivating those things in you. But just a reality check there that I see this all the time. And I went on multiple dates before meeting my partner where the person sitting across from me at the dinner table listed out all these things they wanted a man. And when it came time to say, awesome, what are some great things you love about yourself that you bring to this business transaction? I'm just kidding. (laughs) To this relationship, potential relationship, right? And there wasn't there, they were still working on some stuff, right? And it wasn't a fit because I was in one place in life and I was very, I'm very direct and I'm, I have achieved a, a certain amount of metrics in one area or another, right? And I desire someone who matches, not wealth-wise, but matches me in the desire, the support, the growth. We can be on different paths, but be aligned. And that's what it comes down to. Are we aligned? That we, we can be headed in the same direction, right? We can, we, we, we can be on different paths, but headed in the same direction. That's what alignment is. And so you want to find someone whose values are congruent and your paths are aligned. The rest will figure itself out. I'm still looking for my... I'm still looking for Jason Moa. I know he's going to find me one day. Anyway, hope this is valuable, y'all. Trying something different. If you enjoyed it, comment below. ESV out. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.